Well, today we are celebrating, we're continuing to celebrate Advent, and this specific Sunday of Advent, where we reflect on the first coming of Christ, um, we, we talk about so many components of the Christmas story. We're going to specifically focus in on the subject of joy. So we're going to read, our primary text is going to be in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. We're going to talk about it for a few minutes and then uh, move on. But I want you to hear this story. Let's pray. We need the Lord. I need the Lord. Lord, we need you today. And uh, I ask you to, just over the next few minutes that we have together, that you would guide this time that we would talk about the things that are on your heart for us and maybe discover new things that we haven't considered and especially how it relates to our life and uh, most importantly lord um, we would love to leave church today sensing that we have met with you that we've been equipped by you and we're better for it so lord we ask you to help us in jesus name amen Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How many of you have ever rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? I believe this is something the Lord has for all of us, especially in consideration of the Christmas message and the thought of the goodness of God and what he's done and sending his son to come and die for the sins of the world that we might be saved. How many of you would identify today as a born-again Christian who's going to heaven when they go on? And you're thankful for the hope of heaven. And I'm very thankful for the hope of heaven. The joy that the, the Magi had when they came and they saw the star for them, in that moment, there was a promise that was fulfilled. The Lord, uh, the, the child, the Messiah had come, and he was born, and he was going to be the Savior of the world, which he certainly is. And yet, in the midst of great darkness and difficulty in the Jewish culture of the day, they were occupied by an oppressing Roman government. And there was lots of reason to be discouraged and dismayed at that what was going on in the culture of the day. And uh, the Lord... In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the trouble that we are experiencing in this day and age, in the culture in which we live in 2022, the Lord wants us to experience joy. Not for any other reason except for the fact that the goodness of God is among us and we need to recognize it and see 
its place and value in our lives. There's so much going on right now. And have you ever been around in a circumstance where it was mostly negative, but there was that one joy-filled person that kind of got on your nerves a little bit? But really, you, you, sometimes you're like, what, why, how can you possibly have joy in your life right now with everything that's going on? And you know what? The gospel is actually the answer to that question, the goodness of God. You know, there's so many aspects to the gospel that we can reflect on in the Christmas story that have real-life application to our lives today that really matters and makes a difference. One of them is this. It's Emmanuel, who we celebrate the birth of Christ. God with us. Can we not be joyful of the fact that God is with us? He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. That means me and you. He's not going to forsake us. We have joy because of that. It's very, very important that we understand that. What are some other things that we can consider in the Christmas message that would, would uh, cause us to be joyful? Obviously, I alluded to this earlier, the hope of heaven. Uh, I'm thankful for the hope of heaven. You know, the big question of life is what do we do with Jesus? How do we respond to the gospel? It determines what we do with the gospel determines our eternal future. If we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and we place our faith in the gospel message, the Bible says we will be born again. And that because of that born again experience, our relationship with God is restored and that even if our body were to perish, that when we go on, we will be with the Lord. Scripture teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is something to be joyful about. I grew up in the deep south in New Orleans, and they had this uh, tradition when someone would pass away in churches, they would sing a song, Oh, When the Saints Go Marching In. I wish we would practice this. We need somebody to play the trumpet or do something today. But they would sing this song. They'd have a jazz funeral. And as a child, I could not understand why everybody was so happy when somebody passed away. It didn't make sense to me. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know about heaven. I didn't know about those things. But they would celebrate when the saints go marching in. And I thought later on when I became a believer, I started to understand the value of that song. The joy of having the hope of heaven. It's something to celebrate and remember in this time of Advent. Jesus came not only to die for the sins of the world, but to make it a way for us, for you and I, to be restored in a relationship with God that doesn't just happen when we die, but it begins the day we enter into salvation. I'm thankful for a relationship with God. I have joy because I have a relationship with God. Some people say that sounds like a foreign concept to them. How can you have a relationship with the unseen God? I want to read a passage to you in 1 Peter chapter 1. The apostle Peter, who had been with the Lord, was now ministering to a group of people. He had written a letter to persecuted Christians who had, these were people who had not had firsthand experience with the Lord Jesus. These people that Peter is writing had come to the Lord and the born-again experience through the testimony of others. That's why it's so important for you and I to understand the value of our personal relationship with the Lord and sharing about our experience that we have with God, whatever your story is, with other people that they too may believe. It's important. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And though you have not seen him, speaking of the Lord, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, 
you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Think about that. People came to Christ maybe 50 years after the resurrection through the testimony of other people, and their lives were so dynamically impacted by the truth of the gospel and the working of the Lord in their lives that they had joy inexpressible, full of glory. Doesn't that sound good? I believe this Christmas season, the Lord wants us to walk with a life that's full of joy inexpressible, full of glory, and all that that means. I don't know about you, but... The Lord is in the business of changing people's lives. When I came to Christ, I was a good heathen. Were there any former good heathens that were in the room? The rest of you, were you bad heathens? Like, wait, you, you know what I mean. The Bible says all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. I fell way short of the glory of God. The Lord pursued me. My story is for years the Lord was working on me. Is there anybody here? The Lord worked on you for a few seasons of your life, right? And, you know, because we're thick sometimes. We don't get it. We don't perceive right away. We're hard-hearted. Whatever your testimony is, that was mine. And over and over again, the Lord put people in my life to just to share their experience with the Lord, to share their understanding of the gospel or to challenge me about the— I remember in the military, I was living a very sinful life, and I had a sergeant— when I was stationed overseas, and he, I, would, I could care less about God at the time. And he challenged me about the way I was living my life. And I'm like, who are you to talk to me about how I'm living my life? Isn't that what the world says today when we share those things with them, right? And I was offended that he was challenging me about my life, but really, he cared about me. He was concerned about my eternal future. He wanted Scott to know the hope that's found in Christ so that he would be born again and have the hope of heaven working in his life. And so after many years, the Lord started to soften my heart. And eventually I came to a place where I was convinced that God was speaking to me and was trying to get my attention. And I was starting to listen to God. You know, God's speaking all the time. You know, one of the attributes of God is he's immutable. He's always speaking. The psalmist said this, I cannot number the thoughts that the Lord has towards me. They're vaster than the sand on the seashore. God's thoughts towards us are many. And he has a lot that he wants to communicate to me. Sometimes in my prayer time nowadays, I'll quote that scripture back to the Lord as if I need to remind God of anything. But I'll say, Lord, the Bible says you have a lot of thoughts that you think towards me. Would you share a few of them with me today? I want to know what you're saying to me. I want to know what you have for me today. And in this season of my life, when I came to faith in Christ, after a long time, the Lord got a hold of my heart and he changed me. There's a moment when we go from darkness to light and we're changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away and all things have become new. Part of the joy that I have as a Christian is the fact that I have been forgiven much and that God has changed my life. I am not the person I used to be. Thank you, Jesus. I'm still a work in progress, as are we all in this room. I have so much appreciation and thankfulness for what the Lord has done for me. You know, as believers, I sometimes get on Christians who struggle with whether or not, I've, I, and I've, I get this, sometimes we have a hard time with this. Does God love me? Have you ever had that thought cross your mind 
as a Christian. At times we go through low, depressing times and, 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 and we question whether or not God loves us. You know, as a believer, we need not question if God ever loves us. All we have to do is listen to the Christmas story, look at the message of the cross, and we can recognize God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is joyful news for you and I and that we can engage with and we can value. Speaking of value in the gospel message, Jesus taught a parable to his disciples. He told a story in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. He says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, and I want to suggest to you, the pearl of greatest value in our lives, unparalleled value to anyone, anything else, is Jesus Christ. He is the pearl of great price in our lives. And the Christian life and the focus of our life and understanding and recognizing the value of Christ in our lives as believers, not only does it bring us great joy, but we also discover the purpose of our life wrapped up in the Christmas message. Jesus said, I'll repeat it again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. When we think about living the Christian life, the, the life that God wants us to live, the Lord's desire and intent for us is to keep Jesus in the center of our life. Our world, if you will, needs to orbit around the plan and purposes and will and desire of God's heart for our life. We need to understand the importance of not living our life according to our own terms or wishes, but to living our life under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he would be the Lord of our life. I, an old preacher told me this years ago, and it stuck with me. He says, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I want, I want him in everything. There's areas of my life right now I struggle to make him Lord of my life. And it comes down to a trust issue. It comes down to a trust issue. I remember being a new Christian, reading my Bible, and, and uh, you know, we, my, part of my story is we would go to church, and I was reading my Bible, and I was challenged by what I was reading. As a matter of fact, if you're reading the Bible and you're not challenged by what you read sometimes, I question whether or not you're paying attention to it. Because the Bible will challenge you. And I remember I had read the Bible verses that talked about tithing. And I just did not, I wasn't cool with that. I didn't, I felt pretty good about, you know, putting a couple bucks in the offering plate when it went by. And yet, I felt like as I read the scripture, my actions weren't like, my, you know, I, it's, it's so interesting to me that we will trust the Lord with our eternal salvation like forever, you know, eternity's forever, right? That's a really long time. We'll trust him with that, but we struggle to trust him with our finances sometimes. And I remember in sitting in church services, and the offering bucket would go by as a new believer, and I'd put a couple dollars in, and, and, and knowing, I felt like the Lord was really speaking to me, Scott, it's time for you to begin tithing. You know my word. I want you to trust me in this area of finances, that I'm going to take care of you. In Malachi, it says that if you will test the Lord in this area of finances, God promises that he will prove himself to us. And so this is important. So I would look at my wife sometime when the offering plate, I wasn't a very good leader in my home at the time, and I still have a lot of room to grow, but I would look at my wife, 
as the offering plate would come by, and I would say, well, how much? And she would look at me like, why are you asking me this question? How much? You know how much. You know what God's speaking to you about right now. He wants you to trust him with the finances. At that time in my life, and I just feel led to share this story. This wasn't in my notes today. But at that time in my life, I had a part-time job at the hospital in the valley. I was on call, so I didn't have a consistent basis of income in my life. So one paycheck would be a little bit bigger than the next paycheck. And so I had to be careful with my money. And so that we, it would stretch out and we'd be able to cover the bills and things like that. And at the same time, the Lord was speaking to me about tithing and giving him the first fruits of my income, which is 10%. And, uh, and as I did that, I, I wrestled with that. I made the decision, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this area of finances in my life. And I'm going to put you first. So I remember when we began the practice as a family of tithing from our income, Almost immediately, within a few short weeks or maybe, maybe a little bit longer period of time than that, a brand new job opened up for me at the hospital. And I was got a full job with full benefits and full-time pay. And it was like the Lord in that moment said, Scott, if you will trust me, I have so much better plan for you than you can do in your own ability, in your own way. And I, in that moment, when we trusted the Lord in that area of our life, which is just, it's one little area of our life. But when we trusted God that way, I had incredible joy when I saw the Lord fulfill his word that he's actually going to take care of me. There's so many things that we can be thankful for as we consider the Lord's goodness in the Christmas season. I want to share a couple of verses with you about the light of Jesus in our lives. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said this. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John chapter 1, the beginning of John's gospel, if you've never read it before, I want to encourage you to engage with it. It is so well written. It's inspiring to read, but encouraging to our heart about the character and nature of who God is. John chapter 1, when Jesus is talked about by the writer in this introduction to this specific gospel, he is referenced over and over as light. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. John chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That's a mouthful. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I want to suggest to you, the light of Christ that illumines from our life as Christians is related to the joy of our salvation. It's related to the fact that you and I have been restored in relationship with God and that we were walking around on this broken planet that is full of darkness with the light of God inside of our lives that is meant to be a testimony to other people. The Lord, when Christians show up who are walking in the joy of the Lord, it affects the atmosphere. Have you ever been in a situation where someone walked into the room and the atmosphere changed? It happens all the time. And why is that? It's because we carry stuff as people. We might be carrying anger or disappointment or offense in our lives. How many of you struggled with offense in your life? I know I have. Those types of things. We, whatever it is. But if we're carrying the joy of the Lord... With us, when we walk into a situation, it can change the atmosphere. How many of you recognize as you read the gospel account, 
when Jesus walked into a situation, the circumstance changed because God was there. Did you know that you and God in any situation are a majority? That whatever's going on around you, no matter how dark it might be or how difficult it may seem, you have the Lord with you in your life and it can affect what's going on. And the light of Christ begin, begin to shine from your life. Probably five or six weeks ago, I was contacted by um, someone that was looking to put together a Bible study for the Kenai Brown Bears hockey team. And uh, we made an appointment. I communicated with Pastor Steve about this. And we were able to work it out that I've been able to go on Thursdays uh, between practices and meet with some of these hockey players. And there's one guy in particular who is a very, he's a very committed Christian. And he wants to reach his hockey team for Jesus. That's a good thing, right? And so I'm, I'm super proud of this guy. He lives out, he's from Minnesota and he's just got picked up by this team, and he just believes he's on mission from God. And uh, he gets to do it disguised as a hockey player. And so we've been, we've been meeting, and it's so interesting to me. We, we, we've been having these Bible studies. It's about a 30-minute deal at the most on Thursdays. And we go in, and if you think of that, it's on a Thursday. Just pray for those guys because God's doing some pretty cool stuff there. It's really exciting. And so we've had a couple of Bible studies, and I'm looking, and I'm surveying this group of people. And some of these guys, they're, they're committed Christians. They know the Lord. Some of these other guys have no idea how they ended up in this Bible study. They're like, I thought there was going to be food or something. I don't know what it was. But, and then what are you talking about? I was talking to Nathan Warren about this. I'm like, they're like, what are you, I'm talking about Jesus, man, the guy who wants to forgive you of your sins and save your soul. And, and I'm looking at these guys and, and and it's, it's, so, it's so interesting. I mean, I was thinking about the sovereignty of God and how he works in our lives. You know, one day, you know, I'm just, I'm in the military. I'm, I'm not thinking about God. And the next thing you know, he puts somebody in my life who's talking to me about Jesus. These, these hockey players are, found themselves, they're in a Bible study at a hockey rink. And they're hearing about Jesus and somebody's praying for them. And some of these guys look so disillusioned and they're, and, I'm, and my encouragement to them is, man, God's got a plan for your life. And you want to be sensitive to that. And there's joy. I just want you to know as a believer, there's great joy in sharing your testimony with other people. You don't have to share my testimony. You share your story. Where has God worked in your life? What little story, what point of communication can you have with another person in passing? It doesn't have to be super formal. It can be just in a passing conversation that would sow a seed in someone's life. But when it comes from a heart that's rooted in the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, by the way, it makes an impact because you and God are a majority. And you have the light of Christ shining inside of you, and you have the joy of the Lord. And uh, how many of you in this last season of life, you felt like, man, the enemy has really tried to steal my joy? You know, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I keep going back to this, and I'm... I'm type A, up and down, up and down. I'm, but, but the enemy, he wants to steal our joy. And I'm like, not today, Satan. You're not stealing my joy. It might be dark, and I might, be, I might have three teenagers under my roof. God help me. But I've got the joy of the Lord. And it's so, so important for us to understand this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up to the platform. While they're coming up, I want you to turn your Bibles to the 51st Psalm, and find verse 12 if you've got it. 
the psalmist said this. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain with me a willing spirit. You know, God's heart for you and I is that we would walk in the joy of our salvation. That doesn't mean that we ignore problems or, or don't acknowledge difficulty. That's not what that means. But that we would approach whatever comes our way in life with a sense of the Lord is with me. I, I'm saved. I'm born again. It can't be that bad. I've got my salvation. I have the hope of heaven when I die. And the Lord will help me in whatever it is, in whatever difficult. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And he wants to restore to us in this Christmas season the joy of our salvation. God's heart is good. And I want to see you experience this joy inexpressible, full of glory that we talked about earlier. That's really God's heart for us.